I started wearing chaps, which are basically like leg vests. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I'm more of a Keaton guy myself. And I'm Stephen Buchan. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film, The Lego Movie 2, the second part. And you might huh. notice, you might notice due to the intro being different yet again, Shahir Dowd is still M.I.A. If you know where Shahir is, you better tell me, listeners at home. But taking his illustrious New Zealand place is my original cohort in film review, uh, host of the Oscar Watch podcast. You can go and listen to all sorts of back episodes of that. And, of course, the better half of our old outfit, Same Night Movie Review, Mr. Stephen Buja. Hello, Steve. Hey, Matt. How's it going? uh, We've been doing this off and on for... Like 13 years 13 now. 13 glorious years. years. <laughs> when, uh, when Same Night started. Starting, and we're still at it. We're still not making any money off of it. No, uh, no, that's not what we do. Is, uh, it, is, this, is this a hobby or is this more of like uh, just like a cast off of youth and our dreams that we refuse to let die? No, no, no. Wow. Oh, we're getting well, – I mean that definitely plays into the theme of our film. Um, <laughs> I would say uh, it is uh, a passion. And I would also say that it is a form – podcasting uh, for no uh, profit, I think, is both uh, incredibly rewarding and also sort of a form of like uh, – what's that? I'm trying to think of the proper term, but like, you know, when like uh, a religious person in a cult will like whip their back with a, with a thorny like leather strap. Self-flagellation. Thank you. It's that yeah. thing too. But I mean, listen, we get a lot of, um, especially you know, an, an, our little, our little tiny corner of the internet here on the only podcast about movies. We get so many nice emails and things that actually do really make the the self-flagellation thing less and less. In fact, we're holding off on a couple emails because. I want to wait till she hears back to sort of go through them because, oh, yeah. well, you know, that sort of thing. So we'll be doing emails. You can email us and actually at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or get a hold of us on Twitter at onlymoviepod with your opinions about all of the things we'll be talking about today. But, uh, yeah, Steve, I think I'm very happy that you and I decided to start doing sort of this sort of thing uh, 13 years ago after we saw the film Ultraviolet, the Mila Jolovich uh, vehicle <laughs> that was so oh, terrible so bad. that we went home, got drunk, and just put a camera on me, and I screamed at it for about four minutes. And this was before, like, YouTube was going. We we uploaded right. quick times like monsters. Oh, uh, they were so – they were so – it took forever to, to buffer or uh, the quality. Quality was because we were, you know, we didn't have we didn't have smartphones. We just had like a regular shitty camera, like like an HDV camera. Which it was before HDV. Man. We were oh, shooting on we were shooting on mini DV for DV. that first thing. DV. Oh my god! Yeah. So Oof. we, you know, if if you're not uh, enthralled, listeners, by us recounting how old we are, uh, apologies. But this whole the, the the film we'll be discussing today definitely, uh, you know, has. I would say tones of uh, of varying ageist things uh, regarding uh, yeah. toys and growing up and toxic masculinity and the sistar system <laughs> and a bunch of it, other fun things. It is a surprisingly relevant film, not only to the kids who are just into Legos, but to us having grown up with all sorts of Legos and looking back on how we played and how we and how we. 
<laughs> growing Grew up, with, up with them. Yeah, growing up also with a lot of toxic masculinity. Also with, and realizing, <laughs> oh man, our play styles are the best. <laughs> By best, I mean worst, of course. So, you know. um, but before we even get into all of that, Steve, uh, first of all, thank you again for uh, coming and filling Shahir's shoes. Much appreciated. Um, You're welcome. The, but sort of speaking of. Um, speaking of growing up and speaking of um, older opinions being b- brought into the forefront of current thinking, uh, some stuff's been happening in the news lately uh, between one Mr. Steven Spielberg, a.k.a. Hollywood's golden boy, uh, versus Netflix, Hollywood's worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you read a little bit about this? How he basically was saying he doesn't want to have. I mean, he didn't say this in so many words, but he was. He's basically like doesn't want another Roma winning a lot of awards because he thinks it's trite that he, he can release a film for a couple weeks in a theater and still get it into the Oscars. He's like, otherwise, it's a TV movie, uh, mm-hmm. and it should be at the Emmys. Let's say. Um, what What do you think about that? I, I I'm curious about your thoughts. Well, it's. It's interesting because what did Spielberg do if not break the current Hollywood system at the time of uh, when it was really looking for a a new thing, a new way? In mid-70s, you had Jaws created the summer blockbuster. He's responsible for really the industry we have today. And it's also also befitting that uh, a contemporary of his, Martin Scorsese, is releasing The Irishman. Yep. uh, That – Sold at Netflix, releasing it, and is it is totally fine with this. So it does feel like sour grapes. It feels like the old people telling the new kids to get off their lawn. Um, but I, on, on another hand, I do kind of understand it. The theater going experience and how we have talked about the theater going sure. experience a lot on this show. Yeah, its essence, it's still a very special thing, regardless of how. You know how you experience it, how you know what the conditions of your theater are like, and I can see him wanting to hold on to that, preserve that, because it's uh, if anyone is the the high priest of Hollywood, <laughs> it's Steven Spielberg, and he wants people to get to church every Sunday. Centrist, you know what I'm saying? But dumbass. Uh, but then, but then you know we gotta we gotta understand that you know, Netflix is not going anywhere, and to deny them a seat at the table is just going to worsen things down the line so we should we should embrace it i recently passed by my local theater roma was in fact playing i was like oh i like and it just opened this week again i'm like oh so it's still it's it's so it's still possible i see both sides but i this is one of those i don't get to the movies that much and i really like watching netflix at home so i'm gonna do that (laughs) here's the thing i think it's a bit of a selfish uh, i've mentioned this before but i think it's a bit of a of a selfish like ideological thing to not let films uh, that have a home release be uh, invited to film parties. Because no matter what, like, to be honest, if television, if, like, ABC made a fantastic film, let's say, yeah, if ABC made Roma, it should still be at the Oscars, in my opinion. Now, now, films, you know, the media, obviously television and film have had a contentious relationship their entire existences. Uh, well, once TV so. hit the scene. Um and we all know that theaters have been trying to get people back in seats, uh, though I don't think very well. Um, I think that we're, in our very partisan universe these days, it's hard to 
look at either of these arguments objectively. Uh, I think it's 100% Steven Spielberg getting older and wanting to remain things the same way that he remembers them, um, that he sort of helped create, because of course we're going to rally to keep saying that we are relevant and we our ideas are the right ideas. I hope as I get older I don't do that. I hope as I kind of like sort of ebb and flow, but you never – I mean I can't guarantee that. Right. Um, I, I do think that he it, – it's tough because he definitely – doesn't uh his theater going experience is not the general moviegoers theater experience like he can still go to specific theaters at specific times and have a very magical experience where i would argue that more magical experiences are happening at home due to the way that theaters are run and 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 the way theaters allow society to act in said theaters cell phones talking arguments babies whatever it is like uh, it, it, Spielberg doesn't deal with the common movie going experience. So in that way, I think he's out of touch at the same time. I don't want to just be like, yeah, Netflix rally Netflix. Netflix is a corporation. Uh, Netflix is not the, the indie underdog here. Uh, Netflix Ooh. is uh, a behemoth that I enjoy, but it's one we should still be careful where it stomps. Uh, it did a nice clapback tweet being like, we love film, but we just don't think we should limit da 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 And then people were like, Netflix, you have like only 72 films released before 1991 on your service. Like, <laughs> Now, granted, Netflix has never said it is a cultivator of classic film, but at the same time, um, you know, Netflix is uh, – it's not – it's not an indie darling. It's not the underdog, even even though it is kind of in this particular situation. It's a more powerful entity, I would argue, weirdly, than Spielberg is at this point. Uh, yeah. And so I think it's just important to sort of look at it from both of those sides. I personally fall on the side of, like I sort of said, if, uh, if <laughs> I, I'm going to choke on these words, but if Snapchat released a film that was excellent, which I don't think actually could happen due to the um, the format. But if it did, and it was moving and excellent, and I had an engrossing emotional experience, yeah, invite it to the Oscars because that's what a film's supposed to do. Um, was that the Emoji Movie? No, that no. wasn't the Emoji. I movie. don't, I don't, I don't know Snapchat. I it's garbage. It's, but the, I, it's not garbage. <laughs> it's it's not my cup of tea, as Spike Lee would put it, uh, quoting Green Book. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah anyway i just wanted to, i just want to get your take on that and sort of uh chat about it a little bit because i think ultimately we win as consumers because we get spielberg making his movies and we get the netflix experience at home drives a little competition yes you know, creates yes. uh cre- you know creates people to think and, and do things differently and you know we can right now we live in a time where we have both and neither one is champion one is on the rise, one's falling. Who knows if that will always be the case? Maybe when the they destroy the internet, we have to go back to theaters and watch things on film. And I, I don't know. Saying yeah, these things, these things ebb and flow. And right now, it, it's, we enjoy the good times. Golden age, golden age of television, blah blah blah. TV is making cinematic like things. So embrace it. Watch. Go to watch things. Watch media. Just do it all. <laughs> do where, it all. Where, where, wherever you can. If you can get to the movies, I'm going to the movies tonight. I'm so excited. What, what do you see? Alita. Battle Angel. Oh, okay. I have not seen that yet. And it's funny because a lot of people 
it got real railroaded underneath just sort of the name and the way it sort of looked and seemed. And it's and and a lot of people, both overseas and actually America, I think actually Shahir has seen it. I don't know his thoughts, um, but have been sort of like coming back and be like, actually, this movie is pretty good from what I hear. Um, yes. But well, I'll be able to tell you tomorrow. Perfect. Yay. Um, but speaking of growing up, uh, the we Lego. Not. Movie 2. Um, yes. I'm going to read real quick the IMDb movie description because I'd like to get that out of the way. Because this one, I don't think hits at home what this film is actually about at all. Here we go. It's been five years since everything was awesome and the citizens are facing a huge new threat. Lego Duplo invaders from outer space wrecking everything faster than they can rebuild. Yes, that is the that, first 20 minutes of the film. <laughs> that really doesn't capture the essence of the movie. And to speak about the movie, I think we first have to uh, talk a lot about the like this is a movie that you definitely need to have seen the first movie, I think to oh, yeah. really fully understand. And just by the way, Matt, you and I saw that movie and it was excellent. Yes. I love that experience. Yeah, no, <laughs> down, by, was, down by your old place. It was such a it, that movie came out of nowhere in the sense of like um well i mean i credit that honestly a lot to um phil lord and christopher miller right yes. because they seem to be the quintessential wunderkin uh for taking a cynical money grabbing property and turning it into an actual worthwhile emotional experience they yeah. do both and it's almost like this level of dark wizardry that we shouldn't be comfortable with, but I'd almost rather that than, like, a naked cash grab. Like, Lego Movie was going to happen no matter what. It's amazing that it uh, – are you raising your hand right now? I'm, raise, I'm, I'm raising my hand. So, not to, <laughs> not to derail, would you say they should have stayed on the solo movie? Oh, uh, yeah, 100%. Speaking, speaking of naked cash grabs. The so, yeah, well, the Solo movie, I mean, look, I have issues with the Solo movie, but I think it's, like, fine. And even I think you can go back and listen to our episode on Solo. Um, it was I, – I am a fan of Solo due to the raw producerial and directorial power that Ron Howard had to implement in order to just make a – finished movie because they took like to the the puzzle piecing uh, and of reshoots and trying to do it in a certain financially hopefully responsible way uh is is maddeningly talented and for that i i while i do think i would have rather seen uh uh lord and miller's version because i bet you it was way more interesting i won't even say better more interesting because solo is a lot of things it's not interesting <laughs> No, it's not. But but Lord and Miller, they excel with, say, 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, of taking this this basic sort of non-interesting whatever story and paring it down to its genre elements and commenting on the genre itself, commenting on the, the, like the cop genre, commenting on the on Lego cash grabs and growing up and the, the superhero origin story and all of that and making it, they, they find a way to make it interesting by inserting 
like basically taking being an English major about it and being like, all right, here's here's what here's what we're talking about when we talk about this particular thing. And I, I love them for that. I've loved them since watching with you their uh, excellent animated show Clone High. Yeah, I was just going to bring up Clone day, High, which is uh, which is uh, still has one of my favorite favorite words. If there's one thing Mahatma Gandhi believes in, it's vengeance. Uh, one of my <laughs> one of my favorite favorite quotes. It's, uh, it's a brilliant show that you should definitely check out. I do, I do love me some Claude High. They did such phenomenal work. I mean, we, let's not forget too. They were producers on Into the Spider Verse. Like they yeah, are, yeah. They, you know, which they, is another thing that takes the the elements of Spider Man and like dissects them and presents them in a new and interesting way, in a way that makes you think about it. And to have them do uh, something about Legos in the first film, the 2004 uh, first, the Lego movie, um, which is literally about taking pieces, putting the pieces together, and taking them apart in new and interesting ways. Uh, that seemed like such a perfect magical fit, and I had such an amazing time, um, an amazing time going uh, and seeing that film and being so surprised and loving the uh, the sight gags and the the puns and like all of the stuff that's like felt not only very true to the quote Lego brand, but also just a, sort of a non-practiced irreverence, which is very difficult to um, cultivate. Uh, and and have believable, especially in a cash grabby type movie such as the Lego Movie was probably pitched as. Um, so 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 kudos to the first Lego Movie, straight up. Right. Um, I'll sort of get into, I guess, my sort of first thoughts about the Lego Movie too. Um, I thought overall, while the first film was magical, this one was fine. <laughs> uh, this felt like. <clears throat> A very talented performer doing a famous person's stand-up act, like, verbatim. And, like, yeah, they're saying all of the things, but it doesn't hit or have the emotional resonance or the, like, the hilarious pacing or whatever. I don't know what we want to call it, uh, as the first movie did. Uh, this film being directed by uh, Mike Mitchell. No, who, uh, did a tr- who did... Who did- uh, the surprisingly excellent Trolls movie. That's it's it's fun and also Sky High, by the way, which is a, a great little superhero movie. He also did, I think, what yeah. Shrek 3D, um... uh, Shrek Forever After, the fourth one. So uh, he has some questionable credits there, but uh, you know. let's see. I'm just sort of going through going through his yeah. filmography. Uh, yep, Trolls, great. Uh, Penguins of Madagascar. Oh, he was a voice. Interesting. This is yeah, his... he does that too. Yeah, yeah. which hey, yeah. I love I love me some voice actors. Um, yeah, but uh, but but so would you say the? I would say uh, to to harp on your point to glom onto it. The first movie was a kid with a bunch of Legos building something amazing, and this one is some. The kid had written down instructions on how to build that thing, and you can fo- you can follow those instructions, but it lacks the wonder and the magic of seeing this child build something new and amazing because now it's just his friends or her friends as the case may be trying to replicate that and you get a lot of great moments there's still a lot to unpack here there are some great themes the introduction of it's now a sibling rivalry sort of the wacky we don't give a fuck about time travel time travel mechanics are it's kind of fun but it's all you're playing. You're playing jazz off of a really famous uh, 
piece of music and you could hear the you can hear the notes but a lot of it it's not quite working you'd rather hear the original i still i still really enjoyed this film i really did but it definitely exists because there was a predecessor and doesn't and can't stand on its own two legs uh as well sure so Uh, i think i agree with a lot of that um I think this feels like, I don't know, it's hard for me to not be cynical about this thing. First of all, let me say, I too enjoyed watching the film. I think if you liked the first Lego movie, especially, you know, as just sort of a fun, not really thinking about it experience, you will 100% enjoy this movie as just that. Um, and in, in this movie too, we'll get into sort of like the messaging of it, um, what it's what the ideas it's trying to sell its audience and who that audience is and blah, blah, blah. Um. That's all great. However, I will not think about this film after we finish this podcast. In fact, when Fair. prepping for this podcast, I watched this film yesterday, and I was uh, I was just sort of like putting off writing about it, and I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And then like I had to like sit myself down and be like, okay, think about the second Lego Movie now. And I, you know, <laughs> I did because that's what I do for uh, professional quote, air quotes. A living. Um, <laughs> but uh, the first one, I actively had playing in my mind the concepts and the and the magic that it pulled off. Um, yeah. And this one, it was interesting. This one, uh, I had it kind of in the beginning. Like, I loved, and we'll sort of get into sort of light spoilers as we go through here, but, like, the beginning is, it's like this Mad Max, it's like Apoca- Apocalypse Berg or whatever. Yeah. Uh, sort of citizen because the Duplo from the Sistar system came down and keep taking all the cool pieces, which isn't really sort of described, I think, terribly well. Um, but like I was into it. Like the aesthetic was cool, the jokes about it were cool, whatever. And then the second they sort of took off into space through the stairgate and like all that jazz, uh, that's when I sort of started seeing through. I started seeing the theme that they were going for, but it did not feel to me as genuine as the theme of the first film. Yeah. Uh, The theme of the first film, I would say, is sort of not only like a little bit of growing up, but also that like nothing is permanent and that is a good thing. Like, right? Um, Right. This one, this feels weird and I don't want it to come off as insulting um, to to the filmmakers or the people that were involved in this film. And, And maybe I'll walk back from it. Uh, as as we discuss, but this felt like a what's hot in the public zeitgeist these days. Oh, let's do a story about that because that's what's resonating currently. Not because nothing about it felt like they needed to let people know this particular aspect of uh, toxic growing up sort of maleish culture. It didn't. I never got like the. The 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 onus or the the beginning of that thought never struck me. It felt calculated. It felt mm-hmm. like kind yeah. of like what you said. Like here's the instruction. Someone else go do it. And I I can only in my limited scope of how these films are made, I can only sort of a, you know put that to uh, directorial style differences because Phil Lord and Chris Miller still wrote this movie along with a couple other people. I think. Um, so like they, he, there's your instructions right. Um, right. And I, 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 
there's a there's a fine knife's edge you have to sort of balance on when doing commentary like this to not feel cookie cutter and sort of like everyone else is like this. Let's do this too. Uh, and it again, it doesn't it doesn't uh, poison the message it's trying to do, but it definitely makes it at least for me less effective. Mm. Um, so and it was hard for me to sort of like get away from that. Um, and because of that, it didn't let me. I, I I was pulled back into the fun of it a lot. Um, but like, oh God, the first one, again, I keep, you know, praising it, like washed over me with not only what it was trying to say, but the joy in which it was saying it with. And this one was more like, it it almost felt like you were in a, you, you weren't like fighting the current. You were just like with it and enjoying it. This felt like I'm enjoying myself. Wave. Ah, what the shit? Oh, okay. Wave. Okay. What? Okay, uh, kind of okay musical number. Wave! And I'm just like, like, Stop. even, uh, and this is my last thing for a minute, but like, even like the the reprise of everything is awesome and sort of like leaning into that and like changing it. Uh, it even though it was sort of a comment like the other song, this song's gonna get stuck in your head. You know what didn't happen? That song didn't get stuck in my head. And that's like, when when the punchline of your joke is supposed to be something that is taken away with you after the fact and it tells you that that's what the punchline's supposed to be and it doesn't <laughs> it's not the best joke and it's not the best song either um Let's see, on that, lot to, uh, lot to, lot yeah, to sorry, and I don't want to, this is a movie about Legos, I don't want to, like, <laughs> no, but it's, but it's trying to be so much, I, what, what happens, the, you're right, the Apocalypse Berg stuff is great, but what happens is because there are, there, there are, there is the dual narrative, the dual and dual, D-U-A-L and D-U-E-L Ooh. narrative here of the, we have our Lego characters who are representative of this one human boy, his name is Finn, he, He's the he's the character who like was basically he was the the man upstairs. He was like the hand that moved things in the first movie thereabouts. And now but now we have the sister and I like the idea of the sister coming in and screwing up because I I did not have a sister. I had a little brother and he was the it's the worst. same thing, though. It's the same. It's, thing. But yeah, it's the same. It's the same thing. But yeah. but with the, with the sister, you can highlight the the differences in uh, approaches and like what the sister. F- what the sister is going through as a tweenager, I think would be the word. And it's all puffy and fun and sparkles and glitter and rainbows and all that, all that stuff. And the, the boy's like, yeah, mad max. I mean, he's, he's he's getting to the age of edge lording. We've all been there. Oh yeah. yeah. We, uh, to all of our embarrassment, we've uh, definitely (laughs) been, been edge lording, but he's also super creative. So he's like, he's built this thing. And when it's, I think I, do, I I bounce back and forth between which of the stories I like more. Is it the Lego? Is it just the Lego story? And when I see the Lego story, I'm trying not to think about the kid story because a lot of it doesn't gel. But sometimes when you see the kid story, you go, "Oh, this I am I'm I'm on board here because like you're 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 te- you're showing me what's what's actually happening, and I like that." But what made the first movie, and we're always going to come back to the first movie, <laughs> is that it did it so much better. It was a hint. It was a surprise. It was one of, to me, the like one of the greatest third act twists yeah. in a movie, uh, certainly in a kid's movie, in a, in a long, long time. And here, 
having that already established means that okay, you're, you're we we can go here, but it's also harder to tell this particular story. And I think they get lost in the storytelling aspect of itself by trying to juggle. Like we all right, we have the the kids, we have the we have the kids, we have the Duplos, we have the Legos, we have this time travel, we have all this all this strange stuff. And it started like the first film you could forgive the Toy Story ishness of it of Emmett finding himself and actually moving himself, even though he's not quote unquote real, but he is real. And here it starts to become more of a drawback hmm. to the film and how they tell it. And they do the film's credit. They even comment that not a lot of this makes sense, but that just because you're commenting on it, you should, maybe you should just go, maybe we should just make sense instead of saying we don't make any sense, but we don't, we don't, we don't care anyways. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it will always be less, and because it's uh, not as impactful or deep, they go for more. It's the classic sequel. Like, yeah. We don't know how to improve upon it, so we're just going to throw more shit at you. We're going to throw <laughs> more places, more Lego sets, more musical numbers, so many musical numbers in this yeah. that it becomes a little overwhelming when what made the first movie work so well is the restraint it had uh in 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 all things but it but it also knew when to let go and that we get some some brilliant some brilliant moments but here it felt i was a little bit exhausted and felt like i needed to take some sugar out of my system like yeah it's like i just had too much and i'm just going i'm going into shock well one thing i'm gonna switch to a, a more positive note on sort of my end i mean the voice cast obviously here is oh. is phenomenal i think the 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 superstar here that sort of I was always enjoying the most was Tiffany Haddish as Queen Whatever a Wannabe, uh, <laughs> what, what, no Wannabe, well, yeah Whatever Wannabe, like uh, whatever, yeah, it, which is a great name and a great character, and I love the you know and I we don't even have to get we won't get to well we'll get into the ah, spoilers it's spoiler time it's full on oh, yeah. blown spoiler time because we can't talk about the whole thing without talking about the whole thing no definitely not um. Who is posited as sort of the villain, uh, who is totally uh, basically trying to be uh, super open that they are not the villain. And of course, everyone yeah, thinks they're not they are evil. the villain. And what I really liked, I didn't like the musical number that that sort of happened with, but I did like the messaging of it. And I liked that in the end, they weren't the villain. I like that because yeah. that's the way a younger sibling would actually present themselves while trying to tell someone that they are not the villain. Like, like, right, like that, guy. that felt very true to life to me. Like they would sing a song about how much they are not the bad guy. And like cynical us are like, yeah, you are. Uh, but totally something the bad guy would say. Yeah. So that, that was really fun. Uh, also, you know, the minor stuff, Charlie Day, obviously, is a space, uh, space Lego guy. Nick Offerman is Metal Beard. Allison Brie as Unikitty is She has a line in there, and I want to buy this gif when uh, she's trying to get angry, and Wildstyle tells her to think about people who put raisins in things, because I am a firm believer you do not put raisins in almost <laughs> anything. <laughs> Certainly not in any baked bread products. I'm like, yeah, this, that moment was to quote the kids my life right there uh, hashtag please that's so, so funny. <laughs> yeah there's a lot of great stuff uh um, yeah there, there are a lot of great little moments that don't 
quite come together as a whole, unfortunately. But, you know, Chris Pratt leaning into his Chris Prattness and there it's a commentary on his whole career. Like, you know, it's like a chi- he's got chiseled features that were, you know, once covered under baby fat and he's a dinosaur spaceman whatever yeah, character. yeah, yeah. Uh, it, so let's let's talk about Chris Pratt for a minute uh, I am a huge Chris Pratt fan um, I like this that he's sort of playing off of like okay now let me rephrase I like the concept that they do between Emmett 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 and Rex Dangervest I like yes. the idea of it something and it might just be again sort of the directing or how it's I, I don't know what it is felt not earnest in its sort of takedown of the like super bro-y cool dude like something felt weird um almost like rex danger vest was still super likable or enjoyable till the end and when you do a turn like that like you get that what he's saying is like bad. It's not the same as like enjoying the Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker, right? Like you know he's evil, but you're like, oh my god, like you're taken by it, and you're you're you sort of ride that wave. Right. This is like he's still making bro jokes that are written to be funny, and therefore you are not it. The bro jokes aren't undercutting him; they are just funny. In a weird way. I don't know if that's entirely all the time true, because I'd have to like go through all the broy jokes. But like I don't know. Like I love on, on the surface level, I love the Raptors f- flying the, the bro fist spaceship. Like it's so on point and funny. But it does lose a little bit of its power because it's literally Chris Pratt who plays that character and gets paid to play that ca- which I, obviously the character whose name I can't remember in Jurassic World uh isn't as bro down as Rex Danger Vest it's a parody of it yeah. but like there's something weird with that it's well it doesn't feel spend... all the way earnest in an odd way i well with his turn at the end because we learned that the that whatever uh, whatever wanna be whatever when not <laughs> I can't say it I can't do whatever it. I'm sorry. wanna be not it's, it's wanna like whatever be. you wanna be is or really wanna, what they're trying yeah to whatever say. you wanna be all right when they just when we discover the Duplo aren't the the bad guys it felt like the writers they were writing and thought ah, shit so okay we we wrote ourselves into a corner who should the bad guy be oh it should be Rex Danger Vest. And we'll come up with this elaborate and excruciatingly detailed, but also eye-rolling backstory for him, and just go from there. And we'll 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 make it. It 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 didn't feel like a genuine enough twist, like having Will Ferrell show up at the end of the you know the yeah. last, last act of the first movie did. This felt it felt forced and. Like like now like now we are commenting on something and here's what we're doing we're gonna ram that brofish ship right down your throat you know what it might be I mean this movie probably went through a bunch of rewrites as all movies do uh, yeah. they probably maybe it plays and this is me uh, completely assuming making an ass out of me and me um, that 
maybe they did want to sort of go with something that was in the current zeitgeist, but the movie was already sort of either on the way written or like written. Like I could totally see this film ending with just realizing that no one is the bad guy and everyone is still like, you know what I mean? Like that there's no, there's no like twist or whatever. Um, Yeah. It didn't need a villain. The villain was, the villain could have literally been the misunderstanding or the, or the tension between the siblings. And then the, once they're over it, like it's done, like, um, or like rebuilding, rebuilding efforts, having, having him, it's, it's like, uh, it's like, Remember the movie Sunshine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like oh, we spend you know hundred hundred minutes in this in re- like very real life scientific space movie, and then the, the fucking sun, J- the sun, Jason Voorhees shows up and starts murdering people. And you're like, <laughs> ah, did, what, what, do we need this in the movie? Like we're trying to. Try it. We're sending a we're shooting a spaceship into the sun. Like yeah. I don't think we need a monster. I like I get what you're doing, but it's still a little too late at this point. And it felt it it felt like it felt like now we're dealing with a like the boy was dealing with something he wasn't even aware of yet, which which didn't feel which didn't feel right it was, felt like we were losing the uh losing the narrative between him and his sister you a know whole what, lot you know what's interesting you just brought up and it, and it kind of brought me to this point and you said sort of how it was a little bit of a disconnect between like uh the, the way the world worked and there's two worlds here but both of the ways that the worlds worked are never sort of clear whereas in the first movie it is clear because of the twist and everything sort of makes sense and then you can buy into the fact like oh they're moving because they're being played with like whatever um here the world changes like the rules change quite a bit uh for instance all of a sudden like both rex danger vest as him and also emmett as him <laughs> uh both yeah. when they're in the under the dryer in the dry do- in the dryer system uh whatever it was <laughs> right uh the uh what's it called the the way that they are able to move themselves never made actual sense in the world that they had set up in previous films. Now, when there were Legos built under, when Wildstyle gets down there or whatever, when there's Legos sort of built under the dryer, that to me would, would uh, signals that, oh, there's some play going on here. Like whenever there were Legos around them, that's when I was like, kids are playing with this. That's the rule that they sort of, in, uh, uh, you know, right. inceptioned in my brain. But when it was just like, you know, him getting up by himself and like going over and doing things, I was like, that doesn't make sense in the world that you're doing. And to your point again about the kids story, um, you you don't really – because they're not main characters, you don't get the catharsis of the boy learning his like his learning the the wrongness that he sort of treated his sister as as you do. I remember the first time I saw that in the first movie when the father and son dynamic uh, changes, and he, you see Will Ferrell, even though it's very quickly, go through a moment of change. I never saw the boy go through the moment of change. I saw two sad kids that eventually, like, saw each other, were sad, and were like, oh, well, maybe, like, okay. Like, it didn't have a... The rest of the movie is very cinematic, 
and that just sort of was like, and these people have to be friends again. So cool. Uh, right. So again, it's more of the minutia that was missing for me. Yeah. Um, there's that, there's that false ending when when they get tossed away and uh, Wildstar says like, "War, war never changes," and then it just cuts to the end. And I'm, there was a part of me that that thought, yeah, that would be <laughs> amazing if you just ended it right now. But of course, you know they have to have to go through this whole the whole redemption arc and have to stop Rex, which just because the, because the characters aren't because Emmett and Wildstyle they're ciphers, they're avatars for the for the kids, and now they're fighting amongst themselves. And I get that they do ha- they do have a limited amount of agency, as we saw in the first film. In the first film, I believed it, and I thought, yes, okay, that makes sense. Here, bec- like we say, under the dryer system, it strains credulity yeah well, that it's i i just i just go all right this is like i hate to use this term when uh talking about a lego movie it's like kind of masturbatory just like yeah sure. we're showing off now i well and it's funny i i go back to a little bit like wizard of oz ish right like so the pay no attention to the man behind the curtain then you find out the wizard is just this old dude right uh, right. Then imagine just having a movie, your second movie, being about how the old dude is just as cool and magical as the first adventure that the characters went on before they realized that it was just some old dude in control of everything. Like, <laughs> I, I know there's been sequels to the Oz films, and it didn't go in that direction, but um, it it felt like trying to do an amazing subversive thing based on something that is no longer subversive. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and I, again, we are poo-pooing on this movie fairly hard. I, I let's look at this. Let's let's switch gears for a second. Let's okay. look at this from a. Let's try anyway, because we're both men in our thirties. Let's try Woo. to think of this as a kid seeing this film, because the first Lego Movie, maybe why it resonated so highly with us, mm-hmm. was definitely kids. Like it was. Again, another genius move by the directors and the writers. It was marketed towards kids, of course, but it also did the thing that great kids' movies do and had a message for the adults as well. And weirdly, the catharsis moment is actually a very adult one in the first film. Like, Will Ferrell is the main character in that end moment, not the son, in my opinion. Like, the way they show it is that. This movie, the 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 second part, uh, the kids are most definitely the main characters and the people we are seeing from the perspective of. Even though you know, I love that we don't see Will Ferrell, and I love Maya Rudolph and everything that she ever does. <laughs> so it was great to see her, uh, even with the you know the the forced yet funny because she can pull it off stepping on the Lego bricks joke. Um. Uh. I want to. I'm wondering if this film has more of a young person dealing with siblings message that that I or maybe we aren't sort of picking up on. And actually, listeners, if you have an opinion on this, please email us at, at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or at us at onlymoviepod on Twitter because I'd love your thoughts as well. Especially if you have kids these age ages or. I don't know if you were listening to this as a kid that age, we have a lot of strong language and why are your parents letting you listen to a movie podcast about this? That'd be very odd. But if it does exist, you know, you can tell us your opinions as well. Um, so I, what do you think, Steve? Do you think that 
the the message of not only civility, but but not being so dour and edgelordy that you push sort of people that are just trying to be with you away? Like, do you think that is sold well enough in the message for children? It is sold well. Yes. I, it is sold well. It's obvious there. But because of all of the rah-rah, and the razzle-dazzle that's happening. I don't know if kids will pick up on that as much. And mm. granted, kids do not have to pick up on all of these things. We're just doing it because we're film majors and we like breaking down stuff. The kids can go in and just see this movie and yeah. see all of the crazy, fun, glittery, sparkly mayhem that is the Lego movie to the second part and have a, have a blast. And they can... I like to think that maybe a brother and sister went and they came out and felt, even if they couldn't quite put into words, this feeling that maybe we should play together. You can bring your Duplo blocks. I'll bring my Legos and we'll, and we'll, we'll have a good time for the kids. I don't think it's that important Mm. for us wanting to, to take away things from films, a a commentary, a morality, a story of some sort, something we can hold on to and discuss later. It's more important for us. And it's mostly successful. It just feels a bit more forced than the original everything. Everything changes and that's okay uh, through line from uh, from the first film. Uh, but I, you know, I, I, I think kids will. I think some kids will appreciate it. Most kids will just want to buy all the cool stuff because there's a lot of cool stuff happening on there. So, I mean, you you have a you have a, a young child, Steve. I know that they're not quite at Lego age yet. Um, but do, do you think? That, wait, first of all, do we even know if there must be Lego movie Lego sets, right? Like there must. Oh be. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's. I believe you can buy the spaceship, spaceship, spaceship from the original That's cool. uh, Lego movie. It's actually called that. It's not just Lego. It's not I just wonder spaceship. if you can buy the Brofist. Uh, I, I would kind of want to buy the Brofist. Uh, but at the same, <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, does buying the Brofist from the Lego movie, or even, or especially in the original, like buying the stuff from the original movie, doesn't that aren't you defeating the purpose of the original movie, which is about originality, which is crazy in a movie that's basically a walking ad for Legos. And my mind is blowing up right now, trying to peel back all the layers of the Lego movie onion, Lego onion, by the way, not something they have yet. I don't know. Maybe there's a Lego banana. There's a Lego banana. Oh yes. There's a Lego banana. I like that Lego banana. I'm looking at the Lego sets here and they are impressive as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They have Welcome to Apocalypseburg, which is the Statue of Liberty leaning over sort of set. They have the Rex's Rexplorer, which is sort of like his little ship. They have the pop-up party bus. They have Emmett's house. They have um, uh, Sweet Mayhem's Sistar Starship. They have a couple of the – I loved – when they're like, was it singing or were they just commenting like, we have unique vehicles? Like, or (laughs) uh, That was really funny. Uh, they have Queen Whatever's Build Whatever a box, which is fun. 
Uh, they have a bunch of Duplos. They have uh, Batman sort of stuff. They have like a lot of like smaller sets. I I want to see what they're like. I think Apocalypseburg is probably their biggest one. Probably. Um, that that's an impressive set. Like kudos to the, the Finn the kid for for making that. That's uh, yeah. Uh, I think a lot. it's so 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 funny because like look and, and uh, this is something that I think is very interesting about Lego. This is a bit of a tangent. Um. I spend a lot of time uh, in front of a screen, uh, both for work at Extra Credits and, uh, you know, as leisure, uh, doing the podcasts and and gaming and watching films and television. That's my jam. I, I am not an outdoor kid, though I do love me some skiing and some hiking and stuff when the weather is permitting. Um, I was really hankering one day for a activity that I could do inside, you know, like that, like I would be like something I wouldn't have to go somewhere to do, but like also that did not involve a screen. Like I, you know, I read books and I do that sort of thing, but I'm like, what can I, is there something I can do with my hands that is not something I need to be incredibly skilled at. And it's something I could do in an afternoon. You know what works and got my brain like calm and Zen as fuck is I made the, I bought and made the Lego bastion from overwatch. Uh, thing. I'm you got on, that? Let me see I'll that. I'll show you right that. here. Obviously, listeners. I actually, if you go to my uh, Instagram, uh, if you go to Skeletor, Bastion? the number four PREZ on Instagram, I have a time lapse of me building it, and Zoe, my cat, is all over that shit. And like, it just oh, was. So cool. It would just like in the Bastion? little little light lights up. Oh, he lights up. Oh, and he transforms into the turret. And like, it was so nice. Just taking three hours or so and leisurely doing something with my hands and following instructions and whatever. So there's something cathartic, even as an adult, to putting uh, together Legos. Also, shout out to um, our friend Thomas Ham, who used to be a Lego master uh, with buying and selling pieces. And also, shout out to Nick Parker, who uh, literally buys the most impressive sets and then like hang. He's one of my buddies and uh, who lives up in Harlem, and he like hangs them on his like ceiling. Like he has a bunch of Star Wars ships and shit. And I'm just like. Living, living that uh, that not so adult dream. Uh, right. I remember that, but you know, just uh, I, I remember back in the day we had to build our own fucking X wings. We didn't have all the right. shape. We needed a little. I'm just listen, Spielberg. Listen, listen, so listen, spoiled. old Hollywood guard. Just calm your shit. I <laughs> liked that there was just instructions. Um, so so uh, Lego as a property. Obviously, I mean, I, th- I was going to say it can survive this. It's 100% thriving in this. It's it's um, even if if we don't think of it as the most earnest depiction like the first one was, uh, it's 100%. It's beyond serviceable. Like, it's a good, fun movie. Um, it absolutely is. It's it's a great time. The thing, this is sort of my last point, um, and I was waiting till the end for this. Uh, I wonder if I'm a little bit sour on it. Uh, because another film came out uh, very recently uh, that tackled this sort of exact same issue or part of the same issue, but did it with grace and humor and something that I actually did think about many, many days after I saw the film. And that film is uh, Wreck-It Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Uh, it's similar tone, right? Like it's not quite as madcap as the Lego movie, I would say, but it's, it gets close. And the way I know it's a different, it's that movie is, is examining different 
aspects of interpersonal relationships. It's yeah. it's basically Friendship. toxic yeah. masculinity, but through sort of friend a friendship yeah. vibe as opposed to a family and, vibe and neediness and, and neediness and and, like and, yeah. and 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 linked you know it, that one actually had a better thematic glue to me too because it linked all of the sort of toxic internet culture that is linked with the stuff that it was talking about in a film about the internet uh this movie lego 2 did link sort of the problems that can arise when try when being forced to work or play together with people that you might not always want to do that does it too but like i feel like the thematic tie of of ralph breaks the internet is is done much more tightly and uh and much more effectively uh in for obviously for me as a film goer but also i feel like for kids watching it as well um and i think that's sort of done because it was built from the ground up to not only be the continuation of a story about these characters that we like but also it felt like it really had something to say and it that was through i know both of these movies are saying something but i think through the minutiae of wreck it ralph 2 and the original lego movie kind of like they had something they were really dying to say about a thing. And and Lego Movie 2 feels like we're going to say something because people want us to say something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and that's, look, th- I guess that's sort of my final thought is that that's on me. That's my read of it. Um, I never would want to take away or try to like, strip away any meaning that other people found in it. Maybe I missed things. Maybe uh, it's not made for me. That's why I kind of posed the question about kids, like what we think kids would react to this film, because it is my true hope that like kids would do exactly what you said, like leave the theater and be like, it's, I, I, you know, I don't want to be combative with my sibling anymore. I'd like to play with, you know, like that's what you hope when you have a message like this. Uh, that seed happens and then that could help sort of further the uh, bettering of the, quote, discourse as people get older and uh, try to, uh, you know, <laughs> wade through the mire that is human existence at this point. So, yeah, final thought for me is Lego Movie 2, the second part, fun, uh, has some meaningful things to say, but I I don't know if uh the earnestness of the first one is all there and that kind of poisons the well a little bit for me what about you steve take us home with this these thoughts i think to bring it back to wreck it ralph 2 i loved wreck it ralph 2 it's um it's a more focused theme of what it is trying to say and it does have a few little subplots about like the internet and like internet culture and i and i like that largely you know what the thing that comes back to is that wreck it ralph despite having at one point spoiler alert like a billion ralphs running around feels more restrained it feels more restrained in that it had the one song that was amazing yeah whereas i love the slaughter race song it's just fantastic i wish it was nominated for an oscar because i wanted somebody to perform it so bad yeah here in the Lego Movie Two, I, there are four or five songs or something. There, it, it's it's too much, and that's representative of the entire movie. It's trying, it's doing too much because it thinks that bigger is better. 
first film had everything is awesome and that is an amazing song this song this time my favorite song was the credit song it was the song where you had the lonely island guys back singing about the people in the credits which felt like it belongs in the first movie like that felt like a genuine quote-unquote lego movie moment if we can establish that at this time and I, I feel like I've spent the entire time like kind of shitting on the themes of it, of this film, and just wanting it to be more. There's a lot of fun here. I had a lot. I had an individual good time. There are bite-sized pieces of good times. You walk up and you go, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat all this." I'm like, "Oh, a Hershey's Kiss. That's good. I'm gonna have another Hershey's <laughs> Kiss." They're not that much, that much. But then you eat too many Hershey's Kisses. You're like, "Oh, I had." too many Hershey kisses. I ain't feeling so well right now. And that's it. You it's it's but you don't you don't feel full. You feel kind of exhausted after it because it's throwing so much at you. It's throwing it's this narrative, that narrative, this subplot, this theme, this this weird thing that goes back around that doesn't make any sense with this particular world and that it gets a little it's trying to be it's it is a smart movie, but it's trying to show you that it's a very smart movie and it stumbles in the execution of it. The first film was an excellent example of uh, how you make a how you make a movie and how you tell and comment on a story. This is uh, this is this is like a this is like a B B minus version of the lecture that that the first movie was based on. Yeah. And I had fun. The voice acting is great. Uh, Will Arnett, I, I think, is one of my favorite Batman. <laughs> Batman movie, Batman, Lego Batman movie is legit. Easily either my first or second favorite Batman. <laughs> like, yeah, like absolutely, it's 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 amazing. Uh, I mean, I liked, there's an uh, example too of like how you do a Lego film that has a heartfelt meaning, uh, and it's yeah. a, a blatant cash grab, and yet, and yet it's to yeah. me the second the second best Batman movie. Yeah out there so there's so much to like if you like chris pratt it's him making fun of himself is all is, is always great so there's there's so much to enjoy here i would say yes i recommend going to see this movie pick it up on on on, on the video go down to the store on the vod yeah um but it i when we said let's talk about the lego movie too i'd seen it so long ago i thought Whew, I am going to need to remember just what I saw. I was reading reviews, trying to piece together everything. And I, I, w- I could, we could stop right now and talk about the, the first Lego movie, and I would be like, all right, yep, I'm ready yeah. to go. I know everything was, I need to know about that movie. It was so interesting because I was like, oh, maybe I should rewatch the first one again to sort of get ready. And then I was like, I remember I remember the first, the first one. So, yeah, no, I 100% agree. Also, uh, last thing before we go, there were in the credits they had all the like the Lego brick type people, uh, not the minifigs, but the the brick people like holding hands as it was like rotating through. A couple odd picks uh, in that one had a Trump and Hillary. You could see it was blatantly both of them holding hands. Cool. Uh, the other one was Michael Jackson and his monkey. Oh, awkward now. Yeah. Awkward. I'll leave everyone with that. There was a couple where I was like, really? You just, oh, okay. Like, cool. 
Anyway, it takes a while for these things to get animated. hundred percent. Render time must be a bitch. This has been the only podcast about the film, the Lego movie Two, the second part. Steve, thank you so much for uh, filling in for our favorite New Zealander while he is away and doing a fantastic job breaking this film down with me. Thank you for so much for having me. It's uh, it's been a while since I've been on your show. I, I miss you guys. I feel like I've had a lot of Matt Kroll in recent weeks. I've seen you like <laughs> twice over the last like seven or eight days, it's which true. is a, a unheard of. I know, considering you used, we used to live together. I know. Uh, it's, and it's uh, it's always a pleasure getting to talk movies with you. Uh, one of life's great joys, and I miss it. Oh, thanks, much. buddy. I miss you too. And it, when when we are not getting all uh, super sappy with one another about our shared past of cinematic glory, where can folks find you? It's a bit harder these days. I used to run uh, the Oscar Watch podcast, which is on a uh, permanent hiatus currently. Uh, unsure if it will ever return, but I will not say never on that. Never uh, in the say meantime, never. Yeah, in the meantime, you can listen to all of our backlog of 130-ish films Woo! from Academy Award history uh, on Oscar Watch at uh, Sound SoundCloud at Oscar Watch Podcast. Dot com or and uh, or just find us on iTunes. We're still up there. <laughs> Uh, and if you do know where to find me, which is probably in a park somewhere when the weather's nice with my now two-year-old daughter, come find me. I'd love to discuss movies and things with you for sure. Uh, so, uh, yeah. You're just the wise uh, old. That is not uh, it's not very helpful, but. You're yeah. just the wise old sage in, in Prospect Park. Uh, in Brooklyn, yes. just if chasing, you see a, chasing a baby, around. an adorable daughter running around a uh, uh, a tall man with glasses uh, who is uh, just talking to the ether about uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> yeah, he he thinks he's joking, but he's not yeah. joking. <laughs> Uh, and you can always That's find really you can always find me at uh, matthewkroll.com. That's m a t t h e w k r o l dot com for my life and works. Also, as I said before, Skeletor the number four P R E Z on Instagram or Emperor M S K on Twitter. Uh, do me a, do me a, do me a solid, listeners. And if you listen to this and you already aren't following me on Twitter, uh, give me a follow because I would really appreciate that. I'm, I've been slowly, Steve, trying to grow my Twitter base, and it's been working. Um, but I also will equate that to the glorious people who I work uh, with at my day job being uh, the YouTube channel Extra Credits. Uh, please go check out all of their stuff on youtube.com slash extra credits. Uh, we are it's just so good. Thank you. We are just wrapping up uh, a very excellent series uh, by writer Robert Rath and artist Nick DeWitt uh, on the Irish potato famine. And I was the story is so interesting, but it's also very dark. And I was worried that the tale would not be enjoyable to learn about due to the fact it's just a fucking tragedy and a cacophony of bullshit, uh, humanitarian error and cruelty. Um, but I will say that through the art, again, shout out to Nick Dewitt, uh, the. Oh my God, it, it is such a good series and it's really taking off well. Uh, and also we just, uh, a weird thing happened. We do in a, another series called Extra Mythology, Steve, and I don't know if you've seen this yet. We did, uh, we're doing Native American myths uh, this month as yeah. voted by our patrons. And um, they, we did the myth of the Wendigo from a specific Ooh, tribe. Ooh, I love the Wendigo. Steve, in a week, it hit over a million views. And I was I, I, the art by Joseph Maslow again, uh, super tight. And James uh, James Portnow wrote that episode. But it's the it's the it's the one that I've showrun and narrated that uh, has had the most views, and it happened in a week. 
And I was I like, I don't know how the internet works. <laughs> I don't know. We it. I don't think Same Night has gotten anywhere close to a tenth of that. All told. Oh no, total. Same Night is not so, yeah, same oh, night we did not know what we was were doing a different back time. Then. But yes, go listen, listen to that. I look forward to the, you, you taking on the Black Death at some point. Have you already taken on the Black Death? You uh, the Black Death uh, is around a little bit in uh, some other series. I don't know. We've done we've done the flu pandemic, which is not the Black Death. But uh, Ooh, that's if, always you're, fun. if you're looking for another one about uh, disease ravaging the planet, check that one out. All right. Hey. Anyway. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, you listeners, for listening. Uh, please review us on iTunes. Five stars is always the best. Or leave us a comment on the old SoundClouds. Or, uh, you, you know, use Spotify. Do whatever feels good for you. Uh, and with that, we will see you or you'll hear us. I got to start saying you'll hear us. You're not going to – we're not going to see you unless you send us – I don't – Just you'll Tasteful hear us. You'll hear us picture. next week. We'll, we'll talk to you then. Bye.